It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, it feels like Ohio State and Penn State always play a really close game. And we got uh, a lot more of the same here. Basically, every year over the last decade have given us uh, at least one heart-stopping moment or two along the way. And Saturday was no different. I certainly didn't expect it to be quite that close or quite that dramatic, but it's exactly how it played out. We're going to break down exactly what we learned from this game. And have you seen C.J. Stroud's numbers in the fourth quarter during his career? They are ridiculous. Stroud is playing like a Heisman favorite. We'll see if uh, if that comes to fruition as well. Ready to talk about what we learned, Ohio State and Penn State on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Monday morning, and uh, welcome to Buckeye Breakdown as we chat about what we learned between the Ohio State Buckeyes and Penn State Nittany Lions from this past weekend on a game that certainly had uh, a few eyebrow-raising moments, and I wonder how it made you feel about Ohio State's long-term goals after you watched the Buckeyes play in a game that maybe for a little while there felt a little bit questionable. I'm Brendan Gulick along with Craig Heisen. Hope, uh, hope this is not the first time that you've joined us. We do content like this all the time, but if it is, Please know that we're streaming live and we post the audio from this podcast after the fact so you can watch it live on YouTube. We would appreciate the uh, the support if you subscribe to our YouTube channel. But you can also find this posted after the fact either on YouTube or wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts in the Apple Store and Google uh, Google Podcast, lots of other places. And of course, BuckeyesNow.com for all the latest info on the team. Craig, I'm, I want to start maybe just right off the top, the the, the overarching feeling after watching Ohio State play Penn State, for you was what? First time I had to yell at the TV this year. <laughs> but, man, what a fourth quarter it was. Um, it was not looking pretty for, you could say, three and a half quarters there. Uh, but Ohio State, uh, we saw what they're capable of, and Penn State as well. I think they were taken aback by how quickly uh, that fourth quarter uh, comeback happened. How about you? What was your initial takeaway from Saturday? Um, my initial takeaway was, for, for like most people, huge sigh of relief um, and pleased with the way that I saw this team respond when things got tough. But I admit, as I sat in the press box and watched the game after after, well, first of all, at halftime, I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion that Ohio State was going to lose the game. So I'm you know, I'm like, hey, this is a better game than I thought. Maybe I shouldn't have thought it wasn't going to be a great game because Penn State's really good and and they play Ohio State tough. So, okay. Um, at the end of the third quarter, when the game continued to be really tight and Ohio State didn't seemingly make major adjustments at halftime, that's when I started to feel a little bit uneasy. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually 
started discussing with some of my colleagues on the beat, hey, what's the protocol here in the Big Ten Championship? Like if Ohio State, you know, <laughs> Ohio State beats Michigan and Michigan beats Penn State and Penn mm-hmm. State beats Ohio State and they all win the rest of their games, who goes to the Big Ten Championship game? Um, the, those conversations started to be had because it, it, it wasn't feeling great. But you play a 60-minute game. Ryan Day made it exceptionally clear that they expected they were going to have to play a four-quarter game. And, and I have to say, I think that's as joyful as I've seen Ryan Day in a post-game press conference in a couple years. Um, I, the, the last time, and maybe I'm wrong, but the last time I think I saw him that relieved and happy was probably when we beat Clemson. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in the, uh, I guess it was a sugar bowl in, uh, two seasons ago in 2020, that there was a, 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 uh, relaxed nature, a, a, a vulnerable moment, if you will, for Ryan day, because he was in the moment and he was so clearly proud of the toughness, the competitive stamina that his guys showed when it wasn't easy. And, and for them to put an exclamation point on the board in the fourth quarter, the way that they did, felt like Buckeye football. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was really cool to, to feel like the emotion that he felt in that game, the sense of relief, the pride, the joy, I felt like that was spilling out of him when he mm-hmm. spoke to us post-game. So that my, my guess maybe that, that helped shape my post-game feeling. Um, I don't know that I wanted Ohio State to – well, I shouldn't say want. I don't know that I expected Ohio State to really get tested the way they did. I think it's good that they did. I just didn't think it was going to happen quite like that. Yeah, neither one of us, I don't think, had it had it playing out this way. I think I Friday said 40-20, to 20, but um, one thing I was kind of thinking, thinking about – uh, after the game was Ohio State now has had their back against the wall, quote unquote, two times, I guess you could say this season. And yep. both times they won those games in different ways. So to not have to rely on just CJ or because Ohio State against Notre Dame, they did a great job running the ball at the end of the game. And I'm sure we'll get to that uh, topic here in a little bit. Um, but just dwelling on the positive from Saturday, a 28 point fourth quarter with nine minutes left. Just, I didn't even know that was possible, first of all, to score that many points in, in nine minutes. But um, just in, when they started going to that um, middle of the field passing game, that could not be stopped all day. And we'll get to the offensive play calls here in a little bit, I'm sure. But it once they started really diving into that, it's Penn State had no answer for that over the middle. Um the, the the slants that Marvin Harrison they could CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison could run a, a run a slant in their sleep it's just on time every time um, and just is unstoppable we're, we're going to talk Marvin we're going to talk JT two and Molo out we're going to talk problems in the run game we're going to hit on bubble screens a lot of that stuff is is coming here on this pod um I I am trying to appreciate that it wasn't just that they won two games this year with their back against the wall, they figured it out. It, it was that they did it in the fourth quarter and they did it in different ways, right? They used all the elements at their disposal. 
maybe there's something to be said for we wore an opponent down for long enough that eventually they succumbed to what we were trying to do against Notre Dame. That was power football. You know, you, you think about the the running attack in the fourth quarter, driving down the field, especially Mayan Williams. It's a huge part of that. Uh, and then obviously, you know, this past weekend, a little different story, much better through the air. Um, although they ran the ball better when they had to after three quarters of not being able to run it at all. So I guess I'm just encouraged by the fact that they've gotten it done when they needed to. I, I think there is a fair question to be asked, wondering if after what you saw, if you feel better about Ohio State's Big Ten and national championship aspirations, or did Saturday's, you know, Saturday's showcase for the second week in a row and and unfortunately a really tough ability to run the ball, especially between the tackles, does that negatively impact your, um, you know, your, your national championship hopes? And I think there are a lot of people that are split on that right now, because when you're in the moment, not being able to run the ball is infuriating. And, and, and it's just like, you, you have to keep trying because you can't pass every single play, but, unsuccessful run plays repeatedly are first of all not something we're used to seeing and second of all it, it it's just frustrating so I, I I hope Ohio State can fix the run game but I'm not ready to say that they're not going to win a national championship just because they haven't been able to run the ball the way that they have um I actually think I might feel a tiny bit better about their big picture national championship chase after mm-hmm. what I saw this weekend while simultaneously maybe feeling a tiny bit worse about November 26th because if they can't run the ball I am a little worried about playing maize and blue I'm right there with you the first thing that popped into my head even before thinking about playoffs national title is what are we going to do against Michigan if we can't run the ball again because you look at that matchup, it's pretty much a direct correlation. Whoever has more rushing yards wins that game. So if they can't, if they look like they did um, Saturday against Michigan and like they did against Iowa, I hate to say it, but I, I think we might be losing that game. Because um, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, they had 37 rushing yards before uh, before Travion busted that 41 yard touchdown. Yeah. Think about that. 37 yards for an Ohio it, State it's, offense. It's not good. The only thing I would say to defend it is, okay, now that we've seen the full big picture, if you mix in the inability to run the ball effectively for a while and the bubble screens that made you want to punch a hole through the wall after a short while, did running enough of those plays force Penn State's defense to respect certain areas of the field a little more, which maybe then opened up what was working so well, the running, the slants to Marvin Harrison, the, the getting the ball to, to Cade Stover on the last drive. The, you know, if you look at what Emeka Ibuka went through, Ibuka uh, uh, had at one point, he had four catches for negative two yards because they kept throwing him bubble screens. And by the end of the game, he had six catches for 53 yards. So that means, you know, he had a 42-yard reception, 
um, whatever the other one was, something in the mm-hmm. you know fifteen ish yeah. yard ballpark. Yeah. Again, like maybe sometimes there's something to be said for what Ryan Day was trying to communicate post game of like, hey, I know it sounds silly, but we want them to defend the whole field. We want the defense to have to run all the way to this sideline and all the way to that sideline and go deep and come forward. It'll wear them down. Like, I guess it's a little, it's more frustrating to watch. It's one of those things we'll never truly know the answer to. Did those bubble screens, did those stretch plays to the short side of the field open up the middle of the field passing game that worked so well Saturday? We'll never know. Um, But man, like you said, it is very frustrating to watch in the moment. I think pro football focus had uh, Ohio State running six bubble screens. I don't know what their definition of a bubble screen is. I thought it was more eight to 10 of those plays. Um, I think Penn State had seven tackles for loss on um, Saturday. Only one was from a defensive line uh, lineman or linebacker. So it just shows you that those screen plays were not effective at all. Uh, I think at one point it was for negative two yards total that they that they ran six of those screens. I think it ended up being positive yardage, but only just a little bit. So um, those weren't working. That with how good Penn State secondary is, I found that to be a interesting way to challenge them. Um, that's not I mean, obviously Coach Day knows a million times more about football than than I do, but. Just in the back of my head, if I really wanted to challenge a good secondary, I wouldn't be doing it by screen passes. David presents a, a great question. And again, if you're listening after the fact, please know you can join us live and, and jump in and join the conversation here. David says, how concerned are you with this defense? We finally played an offense that had somewhat of a heartbeat. We gave up 482 yards and 31 points. I, I, I guess, actually, I'm really not all that concerned about the defense. Um, I... I I've said for several years while covering this team, college football is an offensive game. And, and if you play good teams, you're going to give up points. It, it is extremely rare, in my opinion, to see what Georgia did to teams last year. I guess if you have an elite defense, top three in the country, and if you can control the ball offensively and, and push it down the field big time, I suppose you could blow everybody out most weeks. Um, Maybe Ohio State's close to that, but I'm not necessarily concerned because this defense is so much better than it was last year. And I, I think like you don't have to look any further than the line of scrimmage for that. I know there were some frustrating moments in the secondary early in the year when Denzel Burke got off to a tough start. By the way, I think he's playing better these last couple of weeks, which is great for him. Um, but Ohio State is so much better in the trenches. And, and we'll certainly talk about JT Tuimolo out here in a second, but it's more than just him. It's it's the development of Ohio State's linebackers. You know, Penn State didn't exactly run the ball down Ohio State's throat either. They They ended up 33 carries for 129 yards, which is a pretty good day. Uh, well, actually, I guess it was 111 yards total because mm-hmm. you take the uh, take the sack yardage off for Sean Clifford. So they averaged 3.4 yards a carry. Um, but there was, you know, there, there was an intent on running the ball for Penn State. They knew they needed to do that if they were going to win this game. And they've got two pretty good, young, talented running backs. So you expected they were going to try to do that. I, I am 
I'm not as worried about Ohio State's defense here because, frankly, if you think about the game at halftime, when Ohio State's down by one point, you're really, I guess it's one bad sequence, unlucky maybe, away from having a 13-7 to lead because J.K. Johnson and Tanner McAllister went to tackle a guy and, and you know, uh, Parker Washington, I guess, on, on that screen, the way he just kind of spun out of the tackle, those two guys took each other out, and then he took it to the house. I, I don't I don't think that's the norm. Ohio State's been a largely a pretty good tackling team this year. So uh, I think it's a I think it's a fair question because it's the first time in a while that Ohio State has faced an opponent that's capable of you know matching them in a lot of ways, blow for blow. But I think Ohio State is is capable of winning the national championship this year because of their offense, because I don't think teams can stop them over the course of 60 minutes and their defense is substantially better than last year when that really was what held them back. So I guess that's how I wrap my arms around all of that. Yeah. And, and what started with a season where we were kind of making an emphasis on, Hey, this, this team's not getting any turnovers going the first two games with zero. They're now 14th in the nation and, and generating turnovers. So right. um, when you're not stopping anybody um, getting off the field, which they did an okay job Saturday, but they got the turnovers. And just the game by JTT, I mean, I you don't want to have recency bias, but I, I think it is the the best defensive performance I've seen in my life, um, even better than Chase Young's sack game against Wisconsin because you look at the plays that JTT made, if he doesn't make any of those, I think Ohio State probably loses Saturday. And and great, I loved hearing his answer after the game. Hey, which which player are you most proud of? He said it was the tip pass uh, that Zach Harrison was able to get the interception. So that answer there tells you everything you need to know about that kid, how unselfish of an answer was that when he could have said, well, I had that uh, interception. I, I dropped back at like a cornerback and picked one off. A play, that a, lot of, a, a play that a lot of NFL defensive ends can't make. Uh, let alone a, a sophomore in college. Um, so we, we all know what what Ohio State went through to get him, uh, and it all paid off Saturday. And um, very thankful that they they uh, do have a player like him because if they didn't, that game would have gone the other way. But yeah, like you said, I want to give Denzel Burke um, just a lot of credit. He played really well uh, Saturday. Came up and made some really nice tackles. And it was nice to see because J.K. Johnson had a, a little bit of a rough day, had a bad P.I. on a third and long where he just kind of got lost and just grabbed the guy. So nice of Den nice to see Denzel Burke pick his teammate up when uh, J.K. Johnson was kind of having a hard time across the field. So I'm not overly concerned about the defense as well. Um, they just get after the quarterback. I know Sean Clifford has a history of turning the ball over, um, which we saw he can make plays at times. And then other times it's like, man, what are you doing out there? Um, so I, I see where Penn State uh, fans are frustrated with him because that it's just the way he's played his whole career. But um, this defense, like we like we hit on a couple of weeks ago, um, you got to have a top twenty-five defense to hit them to win the national title. It's only happened twice when a team didn't have that, um, and it was because they were led by generational quarterbacks, which C.J. Stroud looks like he can be and is being um, on his way to a Heisman. Um, winning season, hopefully. So, I'll give you a CJ's uh, career numbers in the fourth quarter here in a second. But Yakov chimed in with a good point. He said, "Look, the defense basically gave up 24 points. The last touchdown was meaningless." I I agree. I think Penn State playing, you know, 
playing a full 60 minutes and playing the end of the game mattered for them. Um, but it was the game was over. It, it, and Ohio State went into a pretty conservative way about playing those last few minutes. So yeah, I'm I, I sort of maybe without verbalizing it, I think I realized that that's part of my interpretation of why I'm not concerned about the defense and the way they played. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, okay, so C.J. Stroud, I mean, look, we, we know that he is – He's made some really clutch plays in his in his career, mm-hmm. and I think I think it's pretty obvious there's nobody else you'd rather ride with right now playing college football than that kid. But I had never seen his his career numbers in the fourth quarter in tight games, and I give Tony Gerdman at Buckeye Huddle credit. He put this out on Twitter yesterday morning, and I thought this was awesome. Um, Tony tweets, by my count, when Ohio State is trailing in the fourth quarter or the game is only separated by one score, C.J. Stroud is 65 for 90, so that's a 72% Mm -hmm. percentage, for 900 yards, seven touchdowns, and one interception in his career. The last three times he's been in these situations, Utah, Notre Dame, and Penn State, In the fourth quarter, he's 24 of 27 for 329 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Two of those incompletions hit their receivers in the hands, and the other was a throwaway after a scramble out of pressure. Wow. (laughs) Is that any good? I mean, you want to talk about borderline perfection from a kid when the game is on the line. That is wild. Yeah. So it to me, it just underscores you've got the right pieces and you've got the leadership. And how often have we have we not seen Ohio State quarterbacks have that second year of development under Ryan Day? Obviously, you got it with Justin Fields. Now you've got an opportunity to see CJ take everything he learned from year one and, and build on it, knowing that hey, the, the first year was was good, but not good enough. And now let's go see what you're capable of when we try to run it back. He is – there are going to be some moments with every quarterback at every level of football that make you crazy. It's part of the game. And, and I think it's a fair critique that maybe CJ, quote-unquote, doesn't run enough. I thought he – was more willing to run this past weekend than I've ever seen him 
And that, what did he run? Only a couple times. He ran yeah. officially six, uh, six, six attempts for five net yards. He had 18 uh, yards gained and 13 yards lost on the ground. But the, the, the reality was he ran it six times, which to me makes the defense respect the fact that if you gave him space, maybe he's learning a little bit from that. But the, the lack of turning the ball over in critical moments is really impressive. Um, and in those three games, I mean, those are really the games that, as a fan, made you most nervous other than the Michigan game here in the last 10 games that Ohio State's played. Obviously, Oregon's a little further back. I'm not going to put CJ under a microscope against Oregon. They certainly didn't lose that game because of him. He played well. They lost the game because of the defense. But it was a second career start, and, and I feel like a guy develops so much from the second game of your college career like that. So if you're looking at, at a better sample size of the end of last year and what we've seen so far this year, he's the best player in college football right now. He is. And I, I'm shocked. Well, first of all, I was not aware of those stats that you just read, which that is absolutely mind blowing um, that he is that good in the fourth quarter. I, I knew he was good. I, that is shocking how good those stats are um, when you need it the most from your quarterback. But uh, I know Saturday he was six for eight in the fourth quarter, 20th straight game with a touchdown pass, which is now an Ohio State uh, record. Um, so it's hard to, as a fan, you don't want to get on social media during a game because there's people saying that he was struggling on Saturday. I don't know what game they were watching. Struggling is Will Levis Saturday night. That's struggling, not yeah. not going 26 to 33 with. He didn't screw the pass. Played great. Yeah. He played phenomenal. Um, Two of the he should have been 28 for 33. A couple drops by Mecca that he didn't have his best day, but he responded when when we needed him. That pass that he threw in the fourth quarter to Mecca was probably his best uh, ball that he threw of the day, um, right on the money to Mecca to, to lead to that touchdown by Travion. So um, he's you're never out of a game when you got CJ Stroud. It's he's incredible for sure. A couple quick things here before we wrap. Let's go to Mayan Williams for a second. Um, I think there is a justifiable level of concern around Ohio State's run game. Um, Mayan was injured. I don't know how bad it is, but it's bad enough that he came out of the locker room in the second half with a sweatshirt on underneath his jersey, his arm in a sling. I don't know if it was a hand or a wrist. I would think that it would, if it was only an injury below your elbow, you probably wouldn't be in a sling. So is there something more shoulder related or bicep related? I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. That's not fair. He obviously, you could watch on the replay when he tried to brace himself on that fall, you know, his right wrist kind of bent the wrong way. So he fell on that. His fingers were taped together. The athletic trainer, uh, when walking off the field with Mayan, kind of put a towel over his hand, which to me would indicate that there was something gone, you know, gone wrong there. But beyond that, I, I don't know. Regardless, he didn't come back in a game. You know, hopefully we find out on Tuesday that he'll be okay. But Ryan Day has made it pretty clear he didn't really want to talk about injuries. We got to ask those questions, but it's the only time he gets a little curse with uh, with, with people in the media. Um, Travion Henderson's having a little bit of trouble right now. I don't know if it's a Travion problem or if it's an offensive line problem. I am leaning toward a right guard issue right now. I think that might be the issue. And I watched 
a lot of the the plays that blew up when I watched him on tape. I also didn't think Paris Johnson had his best game. He played fine, but he had a couple of tough plays. Um, just not used to seeing that from those guys. Mm-hmm. Penn State's got really good defensive line. I'm not trying to kill the Buckeyes' offensive line here, but this is two weeks in a row that Ohio State has not been able to run the football. They've had back-to-back sub-100 yard rushing performances as a team for the first time since 2018. So this is not a usual thing at all in Columbus. I don't think that it's going to prevent the Buckeyes from winning a national championship, but it sure could make that conversation a lot more challenging. We can only go off of the two. I mean, they beat up on some inferior opponents rushing the ball, but We've now played two, one very good defense in Iowa, and I would say a good defense in Penn State across the stats. They're not uh, too highly ranked in anything, but not being able to run the ball has been extremely frustrating. They're going to have to figure that out. I thought Mayan Williams would be the guy down the stretch if he was in there, but I don't think we're going to get much information this week on the injury. Like like you said, Coach Day with Jackson Smith and Jigwa, it's not giving you anything. I don't think he's going to give you anything with mine, but it certainly didn't look good when he's not even in the in uniform for the second half. So to me, to run the ball effectively this year with what we've seen against the two good defensives uh, that they've played, I think we need both guys. I really don't think Travion – stuff can change from week to week, but from what we've seen this year, I really do think they need both. I don't think it can just be Travion. Um, I think if it were the case, I think mine, just mine would be – a little bit better than just Travion, but we'll see. They need to get it figured out, though, in these next three games, which are not going to be the toughest of tests. But sure. you, need to, you need to feel good going into a Michigan game like, hey, we can we can run this when we want to. And it's it's really a numbers game. It's as simple as that. Uh, I mean, I'm no X's, X's and O's expert by any means, but when they got eight in the box and you're running stretch plays to the weak side of the field, it's not going to work. And And I feel like that's why Ryan Day wanted to – that has to be why he wanted to run those bubble screens as often. Mm -hmm. Try to get the ball to a position where you've got a numbers advantage. If you have more guys blocking than they have coming at you, (laughs) you're in good shape. If they got more hats than you have, somewhere along the way, something may go wrong, right? Right. So I understand that part of it. Um, I just feel like if you can't run the football effectively – it's going to make games really tough. It's not to say they can't overcome it. They obviously did this weekend, um, but that's not usually a winning formula. So um, do they make a change? Do they bring in Enoch Vamahi? I mean, I'm seeing a couple mm-hmm. comments here about that. There are a lot of people that were talking about it on Saturday as well. I think that should certainly be a consideration. I, I don't know the specific skill set that Enoch has compared to Matt Jones, but I'm, I'm willing to say, hey, that doesn't seem like it's working. Maybe we try something else. Try something. We'll see if they if they want to make a change there. Yep. So, I mean, hats off to Penn State. They played a great game Saturday. They outgained Ohio State, which in a win hasn't happened in a while. I was looking back. I didn't look at every single game, but I want to say 2018, Penn State is the last time that Ohio State was outgained and still won. So, um, they, they made the plays when they needed to. If you're a Penn State fan today, you're pulling your hair out saying that's the one that got away. But – Ohio State played a full uh, full 60 minutes, and, and man, they turned it on at the end. It was fun to, fun to watch that fourth quarter. I'll wrap on this thought. I think part of what is shaping our perspective of this game is knowing what Michigan did to Penn State. That mm-hmm. was a close game at halftime, but it really wasn't. 
Michigan beat them up in the first 30 minutes despite what the scoreboard said. And then the scoreboard reflected the beating in the second half, and that was a blowout. Easily Michigan's best win of the year, especially considering how awful their schedule had been leading up to that game. To me, that legitimized Michigan in a way that they had not had at any point yet. So to see Ohio State, who obviously plays a different kind of game, I mean, they want to run the ball, but Michigan is a run-first offense. The Buckeye strength is through the air and with their receivers. Um, So to see Ohio State be in it with Penn State for 45 minutes did not leave you feeling particularly good because the Buckeyes lost to Michigan last November, and they know that game is coming in four weeks. And, And whether you actually think about it or not, there is that measuring stick of, hey, what did Michigan do to our opponent this week? Um, I, I think that shapes the way we think and feel a little bit about this. JT Kumolo outplayed an unbelievable game. Marvin Harrison Jr. looks like the best receiver in college football. And I give Ryan Day and CJ Stroud credit for uh, their composure late and for figuring out a way to, to get it done. Um, ultimately a great win, but certainly not without a few moments that, that left you feeling a little uneasy. All right, BuckeyesNow.com for all the latest. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. We appreciate it. We had a great audience. In fact, there's 75 people with us here uh, at the moment. So uh, thanks for jumping in. Lots of great comments and several of those we uh, we addressed along the way here. If you caught us after the fact, please know. Come, come hang out with us. We are uh, live just about every day, and most of the time we try to do these in the morning so that you have something to kind of start your Ohio State day with. So thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, for all the latest, BuckeyesNow.com. For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. Have a great Monday. Enjoy Halloween if that's your uh, if that's your thing. And looking forward to seeing the Buckeyes get ready for a Northwestern team this week. But they are favored by 36 points against. We got plenty more to come to preview this week's matchup later.